tale as old as time and everybody who gets older will tell you this too like don't live with regret do everything that you would want to do so that way you don't regret it when you're older wide receiver um you know my story is kind of nuts to get there and i'm sure we'll get into it and i'm hoping to inspire some of y'all with this uh in this show sounds good sounds good what's your story then because you know playing playing football starting your senior year and then going to such a prestigious college for football like usc that's like that's pretty insane <laughs> i'd like to think so i mean it's my story kind of begins with uh my junior year of high school so i i was always baseball i always kept playing baseball but i got cut from the baseball team my junior year and I just got decided, you know, I'm not going to let this define me and let, you know, them be right. So I said, you know, I'm going to bust my ass, get into the gym and see, be so good that they can't say no to me next year. Not too long after that, it became like these football players from my high school started walking in from spring ball. And I saw them like, you know what, if I put my mind to it, I'm not going to be any, like, I I could be better than these kids. Like, I want to say they're scrubs, but at the same time, like, you know what, like, I can get that. I can get there. So I just started working my ass off, and I somehow convinced the football coach to bring me on my senior year, which is, like, very, very strange because that doesn't happen a lot. So I decided like, to do that. You know, I started playing football, and uh, summer workouts came and went. You know, everyone's like, what, Chris, what are you doing here? So once I got past that, I started, you know, working out with the team, getting there, going back and forth. And not too long after that, I got to play in my first game, and I tore my ACL and meniscus in my first game so I thought that door to play at SC was firmly closed before it was even open after that I kind of just you know you have all the family stuff that goes on but like I can get into that later but um yeah I I just decided you know what after I got surgery about a year later I said you know what I'm gonna play football at USC so I went to three junior colleges over the course of two years to you know make that happen I I, I paid attention to school I did my work I I did I handled everything on that front so I'd be okay to get it like accepted um after that I would just kept being relentless I mean I was in the gym every single day actually I have to give props to my dad right now because he says Chris you don't go into the grind enough when you when you're on these podcasts you don't really mention how much it took and I said all right dad well (laughs) so um I do have to mention I was in the gym every single day with my receiver coach three times a week just going after it for a dream that only I could see nobody believed in but once I got accepted to SC, after that, I begged, borrowed, and stealed my way into the, uh, or stole in my way into the USC football program. I tried to figure, I mean, I, I said, hey, can you got like, I want to walk on. They said, Chris, like, it's, we can try, like, like you, you'll get an opportunity to, like, try out amongst just, like, everybody who would want to walk on with. And I said, okay. And then that's all I needed. And once from there, I got my tryout and I made the team. I think that story wow. is like so amazing. You did you had never played football until you were like seventeen, really? Well, I mean, I'd always like. Well, I, I mean, I should say this, Jumbo. I've always been like a, a fairly gifted athlete. I mean, I've well, yeah, I know baseball really kids like at, we're, baseball. I, I play baseball. Like I, I know we're athletic when it comes to any sport. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the same way with other sports, but like for baseball, I, I feel like I've seen like a similarity there. No, that's, I mean, look, baseball is one of those sports where like you do have to run, you do have to track. And like, I I played outfield. So yes, doing the, mm-hmm. right. So like you, it's like catching passes and catching fly balls are, you know, they're <laughs> fairly similar. Um, at the same time, 
I would say that, I mean, I always loved football. Like I'd always been a football nut, especially USC football nut. Like this, this, this goal didn't come out of nowhere. Like I'd always wanted to be a USC receiver, but at the same time, I'd always loved baseball more than football. But considering, considering that, like I always run My dad was always throwing me, throwing me passes in the front yard and that kind of stuff too. So it, like, as far as like, as far as the development of my football career, yes, it only really happened when I was 17. But as far as like my skills that would have gotten me there and my like, you know what, I have good enough hands to do it. That, I mean, that, that's something I've been working my whole life. Did you find that your, I was going to say like, did you find that like your work ethic from baseball carried over into football or like, because you had to completely switch sports and then you had the injury and everything, did you just kind of like turn it up into like a different gear essentially? I don't think it came from baseball, so to speak. I think it came from the, like the rejection or like getting cut my first time. But like, and you know, when you start getting like those kind of like no's, like those people spitting in your face, like your grind just becomes that much more like persistent and that much like more strong. So my, like, I, I just, I, yeah, I would say like my work ethic, I mean, sure you have some discipline, you know, when you're a student athlete of any level, but at the same time, like the majority of like why I am where I am today, USC receiver and starting at the biggest agency in the world, like, that comes from just being absolutely relentless and being persistent as hell. But as a result of all the shit that I took from when I was in the time where I, that my junior year and like in between now. Do you think there was like a sense of dogma where you felt like you did not want to live with the results of other people's thinking once you had gone those injuries, like once you had been cut your junior year, like once you had gone that torn ACL and then you, you just wanted to get rid of that dogma. You wanted to become someone different. I couldn't let the kids who talk shit on me be right. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't live with that if that's what you're referring to. And I couldn't, I mean, look, if I, everybody has, it's, 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 the pain of I regret is much more than I the mean, pain of discipline. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so like, it, exactly. Um, basically, I mean, I knew that I could do it and play receiver at USC. Like I just had some inherent no knowledge. Like I just know I could do it. I never doubted myself once. But and if I didn't chase that ground ball or that fly ball or that pass like all the way down until I got there, I would live I would live with so much regret for the rest of my life that I don't even know if I've been able to handle it. Like it would have been it would have made me feel so terribly about myself forever, knowing that I knowing I could have and not hadn't done it. So it's like the mindset where you're like, Oh, if I don't get up this last rep, if I don't run this last mile, then it's it's really defining who I am. Like I can't let that happen because every single one of those reps is gonna count towards what I want to achieve. Was that like I you think were... it's every time you no know, yeah sure I mean it's part of it for sure I think that once you have like that it's almost like death by a thousand cuts like if you come up short my dad always used to tell me this too and I actually listened to Mark Cuban say it the other day how you do anything is how you do everything so when you have like if you cut short on a rep or you like you're, you're running that last mile or that last rep in the gym whenever I'd be on my last rep in the gym this may sound corny as hell to most of you but USC's uh slogan is fight on and every time i would go one above and beyond like for instance i'd be bench pressing i'd be up here like this and i'd go fight on and then i'd go let that be that you know like one motion down and up and it was just another way to put like okay one more step one more pat one more way i'm gonna get that much closer through each rep i do so one more rep and then one more percent likely you'd be going to usc to play wide receiver it was i was doing everything that i could you know like it was it's you're handling what you can control. You're controlling what you can control. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're doing everything that is within your power to do that. Like you're, you're, there's only so much you can control within the context of that. And that's why, that's why there's like so much 
we can get into this later, but like it's a, a lesson that I've learned more recently. It's like talking about like you can only you can, the only thing that you can literally stand on is your own effort. Like that's like there's all this other shit in the world, you know. Like oh, you have this philosophy or this philosophy or that philosophy. The only thing that I, like the, I swear, man, like the only thing that you can really really bank on is your own like own work ethic and work effort. So like if you're in there like every day, like you're handling what you can handle then you can honestly like, okay, look, I, I, I'm getting there. You know, I'm going to get there one day and I'm going to do everything that I can because I know I'm not going to fall up short on anything. How did you do with like skepticism too? Cause I'm sure there, there had to be some level of skepticism from like old coaches and people like, Oh, like you're trying to do this. Like, who are you trying to go play football at USC? Like you haven't played football ever. Like wouldn't that motivate you even more? Yeah. hundred percent. No, it's like, it's, it's, like I said, I couldn't let those kids be right. Every there wasn't a single kid at my high school, maybe minus one, maybe two, and outside my brother. Like my brother obviously believed in me. At the same time, like there may be one, maybe two kids who I went to high school with who thought like Chris, you could do this. Other than that, not a single one. And the shit that I took from those kind of kids, bro, like that's why I've kind of become so like out for blood these days, just because I know that I've put up with more shit than I should have from those kids. At Where the same you're not time. getting angry, like, but you're starving. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of like it's just it's just I mean, just going. Be, I don't know how to put it. Like, I, I it's it, you just you get to a point when you look back on your life. Like, I'm just you know, I mean, I'm only 24. At the same time, I have done some fairly like important shit, like playing at SC. You know, when I look back on that journey, like although I knew where I was going, like I took a lot of shit from a lot of kids I definitely shouldn't have, and all that kind of stuff. Although it did drive me. They were still talking anyway, so I don't know why I took it. I would have probably confronted it more head on. Looking, but at the same time, like dealing with skepticism and dealing with doubt. Whenever you're doing something big, Drew, bro, like that's the name of the game. Like you've got to get completely okay with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like when people put you down, I feel because I think it's that's such a big thing with self improvement. When someone's trying to self improve it, and they get all this shit from people, they get like all these haters are coming in, and then I feel like it's because. Those people that are hating on you, they they see what you're doing. They see that you're taking strides to improve your life, and then they feel like that it's better to put you down because it makes them feel better about themselves. It does. No, dude, that's very true. It's very very true. And you guys are very wise for your age. Like you guys dropped a, like a pretty solid amount of knowledge. We've only been on the show for like fifteen ten yeah. minutes or something. You know, um, it's very true because it, it's easier for them to try and knock somebody else's dream than to go after their own. Because going after your own goat requires a lot, and I mean a lot. It requires a lot of banking on you, and it requires a lot of effort. And a lot of people don't have that one fortitude to desire to do it. So it's easier for someone to knock somebody else than trying to get after, like, and actually trying to recognize their dream and make it tangible. Yeah, I, I feel like I get that feeling a lot when I don't know. I feel like when I, I started the self improvement thing, you know, this is actually when I started the podcast with Devin back in I think September of 2020. It was all about self improvement, finding things that would make you better, like would grow your skill set, things like that. And then I don't, I, I felt it kind of weird that mm -hmm. there are others out there that you know maybe they they don't they don't want to be working 24 seven every single day for and just committing to themselves like doing like that six months in the dark challenge i'm pretty sure you've heard of it but i don't know i, I feel i i just yeah, don't resonate with their mindset i guess I, I don't know i feel like that's something that a lot of people especially mm -hmm. like people like you with that amazing work ethic 
it, it's just uncommon, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, like, remember, like, I think there was this quote by Kobe Bryant that said that you don't want to understand lazy people and, you know, you just never want to understand them whatsoever because then it becomes infatuated within your mind. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Very true. I mean, I haven't been as much of a, like, I haven't been as focused on self-improvement as Eric has, but I definitely know what he's saying. Like, even, like, if you're going to do minor things, let's say, like, you're trying to go to the gym or, like, you're trying to do something else, even then people will just, like, knock you, even if it's, like, little things. Like, obviously, you know, going to play football at, like, a really big college is, like, a big thing. And so, of course, people are going to be more attracted to that in the sense of, like, they're going to say, like, oh, it's, like, a big goal. Let's all knock it down. You know what I mean? But, like, even for a little mm-hmm. thing, you know, people just kind of, like, get in your way for no reason. And I think that it's important that you know to block them out because, like, they're not providing any value to you in a sense. And I think that's just it's just a distraction for you at that point. Like it's just not worth it to have those people around you all the time with their input. You gotta, you gotta be super, super clear about who you want in your life and who you don't, because like you, like you just said, it can be a distraction, but at the same time, when you get serious about your goals, those people have a way of filtering themselves out. And at least that was definitely within my experience. Like prior to being at SC and my grind getting nuts, like crazy, I was a huge, huge partier. Like I wasn't like a, you know, I, I'd love to go out. Like I was 17 going to clubs. Like I was going, I was going high school clubbing my senior year of high school. So, I mean, I, I, that's why I'm like, I'm like, I haven't had, I mean, look, I haven't had alcohol in like four years. Like that's just because I knew that I, I operate better when I don't have it. I don't want to drink. Like, I don't care about it. Like, but at the same time, like that was a huge part of my life at one point. But when I got serious, I wanted to play ball. A lot of those kids, like, when you stop reaching out first, hey, what are you doing tonight? They don't necessarily reciprocate it back. And the people, like, there are some people who are more stubborn, but at the same time, like, maybe those people want to be in your life. And you hold them to that. If you hold them accountable, in your, in, whether it be in your quest or in their quest, you're going to see who actually wants to be there. Because I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I had a friend of mine who uh, went to high school with, I mean, he was a, he still is a big partier, but, and I'm not going to mention names at the same time. Like he came to me back in February of last year, about a year ago. Like he came to me and said, Hey Chris, like dude, your, your story to play at SC is like that really, really resonates with me. And I know that if you could do that, I know I can go accomplish this crazy goal that I have. You know, I think it was team USA or whatever it was, but I said, look, dude, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. At the same time, that means a lot of your habits got to die. And I don't know if he wanted to hear that. And I tell, I tried to help him with that. But, you know, I, I at the same time, I said, you know what, dude? Like, I, I stopped reaching out first, and he stopped reaching out back. So it kind of it kind of just became a way of, like I said, filtering themselves out. Yeah, like you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with? That's the best. That's a great way to look at it, too. Like, you are, I mean, you are who you associate with. Like, you, I mean, you build a solid network of people. You're going to, you're look, whether you like it or not, you're going to get leveled up. That's the bottom line. Yeah, because I feel like if when you do that, you're surrounded by people that are better than you, and then it motivates you to become as good as them, better than them, and then you're growing together. You're winning together. I agree. It's, the, it's like, for instance, the way that I was able to make this WME thing happen basically out of nothing was because I was just looking for the top agencies or looking for agents of the top agencies and trying to wiggle my, not wiggle my way in, but like trying to elbow my way into these places, like knowing that, okay, all I need is one good chess move and my life changes. 
and that was it. And I remember sitting that on the, sitting there on the floor in my brother's apartment, and just thinking to myself, you know what? If I get enough of the right people, or I just need one good person, one right person to help me out, like that's it, you know. And once you have that right person, in the search of that one right person, you're gonna have 10x the amount of people, all solid individuals. And I just went to lunch with another guy the other day, who didn't help me get anywhere, or like aside from like a phone call saying like, "Hey, Chris, this is what like my story was." He's like a really solid dude at one of the bigger production companies in Hollywood too. So it's, it's, it just becomes like when you're searching for those like solid people, you're going to find them, you know, it, it just might take a little bit to find them. I think that's also why like networking apps are so important too. Cause I feel like you can sort of align your interests mm-hmm. with other people that have the same goal as you, whether it be like athletes or working at WP, like you mentioned, I think that it's great to find people with the same vision as you too like we were talking about before because like you know some people like your friend that you mentioned it just sounded like he didn't want it like you said it was team usa i think like he didn't want it bad enough and he like essentially i think it comes down to just him wanting to party more do whatever else he was doing more than actually accomplish his goal so i think yeah like yeah that quote everyone wants to be a bodybuilder but no one wants to lift that heavy ass weight <laughs> that's true well, Eric, Eric, everybody I know it's like no dude how many books have you read about this kind of stuff oh dude because I got I, a whole collection here you see that you got what's your favorite one uh probably I don't, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins or Atomic Habits by James Clear I love I love Can't Hurt Me we just did an episode on that yeah we did an episode on that a couple of weeks ago was, I love that book yeah. book is outstanding I love that book it's one of my, it's by, it's probably, all right. I would say it's the best three books I would recommend to anybody, especially teenagers. I would recommend Can't Hurt Me as for one, just because it just introduces this psycho work ethic that David Goggins had and psycho mindset. And even if you adopt half of that, you're so much better off than you were before. Secondly, I would recommend Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Zero to One. Peter Thiel is one of the, one of the best, best, venture capitalist on planet earth you know facebook instagram uh snap i think paypal um he 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 sees it and it just teaches you to way like to think outside the box when it comes to like whether it be investing or just like developing of new like technologies or whatever it is you know just like you're, it introduces like a new way to think about like like just new like life you know so and the third one that i would recommend and this is i would say proceed with caution on this one because it is not only very addictive but also if you don't have the right motives, you could easily become a super villain. <laughs> it's it's called the Forty Eight Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Uh-huh. I absolutely love that book. I love that book. There, are, it is chock full of stories and history of like an imperative being the law. For instance, don't outshine the master, and then historical historical kind of like examples for when outshining the master really really screwed somebody, and then when it didn't, and that person who didn't outshine the master really really took off after that you know it's 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 one of the most amazing books i've ever read i love it absolutely love it no eric's deep in thought right now you better add the book (laughs) yo i'm speechless man the the problem is if you don't have like a solid either moral compass or just like sense of uh sense of self that book is very very dangerous and like they stopped they and I think a number of prisons across the country 
they outlawed that book just because you know people who with with more insidious action or like like initiatives or actions or like intention sorry more insidious intentions that book is a playbook on how to manipulate people is it oh is it just all about becoming like cold-hearted or remorseless or something and some people don't have no it's not but the no it's not Mm -hmm. the problem is you can't like if you don't have like a solid sense of morality or a solid sense of like how you should be dealing with people versus how you shouldn't be Mm -hmm. that could become like if you don't have that like you shit you will be uh, who's who's like Who's like, I'm trying to think of like a really recognizable super villain, like in a, in a, you could almost, damn, I'm trying to think of one that like is really, really good. Um, From like a superhero thing? Yeah, like think about like a superhero, like a, like a villain or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a villain, yeah, like a superhero villain. Like Lex Luthor from like Smallville or something? I was thinking like Lex Luthor would be a good one too. I was going to say Lex Luthor. Like you could theoretically become Lex Luthor if you don't have like a solid more like ethical standpoint of how you should be dealing with people, because like you, the basically the book teaches you not how to manipulate people, but like it gives you patterns of behavior, and it can and when you learn those patterns of behavior, you can understand how certain people react in a situation, and this isn't like a grace like a coverall book. Like you got to know who you're dealing with, and that's one of the laws in the book. Know who you're dealing with. So the book itself is fantastic. I would highly recommend that people who I highly recommend that to just about everybody at the same time, you, I hope you're not like a irrational mean spirit individual <laughs> trying to read that book because even somebody like myself who like, who does care about people at the same time, like, you know, like you, you got to know where you stand with people too. Like I, I really do love that book and I do recommend Wait, what it. What is it called again? It's called The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. 48 Laws of Power. Yeah, I'm definitely reading that. Go, re- go look it at it. It's, it's, a, it's an orange book with a blue stripe down the middle. It's like it's, it's the size of a textbook. It's like that thick. And wow. it's about it, – no, it's a really good book too though. Like I really, really like the book. Um, that's like they, – they banned it in prisons? They banned it in, in prisons. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, I think most prisons. I think most. That's prisons. actually crazy. That a book could be that like influential and powerful that they banned it in prisons. I've never even heard anything like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. No, it's not, dude. It's not. <laughs> it's you know, it's 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 so it's so scary. Like that's that's the reason why I mentioned like that that caveat because if you don't have a sense of like strong sense of who you are what you want how you deal with people that's how scary this book can become jeez i mean what's so bad about it? like i'm i'm still trying to like grasp that like <laughs> the bottom here, here's 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 the way it can happen you can easily 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 manipulate people once you read this book mm-hmm. like it becomes very easy to manipulate people and if you and if you have like really bad intentions for manipulating people then that's where it becomes really dangerous. Like if you're if you're like looking for to use these people as a means to your own end, which is a really fucked up thing to do. Mm-hmm. You, you you can easily do that. That's why I say if you don't have a strong sense of like what's right and what's wrong, then this book is a very dangerous thing. 
because it can get you into a lot of trouble if you get if you start if you start like looking at this book like okay how can i get something out of somebody you know like and this isn't something that i've ever had like i've always had a very good understanding of what's right and wrong but the one of the prefaces of this book robert green the author says it himself and i follow robert green on tiktok and stuff like that and he posts some really compelling shit he says it in the book if you don't like grasp like what's good and what's bad like there's a reason why they outlawed that book in a lot of prisons. And I'm not saying like, like everybody in those prisons is bad. I'm not saying that at the same time, like there are some bad actors in that place. And when they have a book like that, it's the playbook on how to control people. And it's, it's like, I'm, this book has been a New York times bestseller for a very long time. So a lot of people have read it. The best way to look at this book is like understanding how people may be approaching you. Like, like how, okay, like someone tries to come at me with some shit, like I would notice in the free, free laws, uh, 48 laws of power, I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing there. So I know how to navigate around that. Like, you're probably not going to want to do it to become Lex Luthor. <laughs> you know, you're not going to want to do that just because a super villain always ends up getting caught in the end, whether you like it or not. So um, bottom line is I highly, highly recommend that book. It's an outstanding book. Know what you're getting into when you read it, though. Uh-huh. So it's like use it to protect yourself more than to, you know, whatever other stuff people want to do with it. Sure. I mean, yeah, no, it's a great it's a great sense of protecting you against unwanted advances in whether it be business, you're dealing with social pe- people and social like the social world. At the same time, there is a time and a place where you use the power for yourself. Like it's it's you know, there's nothing wrong with using a power as long as you know you're not like surreptitiously hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you never want to do that. I mean, even in the, even in the sense, like for me, like I'm out for, like I'm really out for blood these days. Like I've really been jerked around by a lot of people. At the same time, I'm not like going out of my way to, to really, really like do damage to somebody unless it, it like it really warranted, you know. Like that's the best like, that's, that's, mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So when you're using that, like, use the book for like to develop how you want to react to people yeah. stuff, how you want to pursue things like it's it, it if you it, it's there's a reason why it got outlawed in a bunch of different places but it is by far one of the most influential books i've ever read yo book report <laughs> yeah. go read the fucking go read the fucking book i'm not gonna tell you what it is <laughs> that i can't i still can't believe that i got outlawed i can't i, I wouldn't have like like a book would be that influential and like that powerful that people could use it as a big advantage. Look, dude, look, look at books all throughout history. I mean, like, I don't even want to mention the names of some of them. Like the Gulag Archipelago was one of the main, the most influential book as to why the Soviet Union collapsed. I think it was by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I don't know how to quite how to pronounce it just because there are a lot of syllables in there, but um, basically it was responsible for the fall of the Soviet Union. Literature can do that. Like, I mean, it's the age-old question: Is art imitate life, or does life imitate art? So it comes down to that. Like books, literature, like movies, whatever it is, like they're they're very, very influential. Like, and that's it's just the funny part about it too. I mean, the Great Gatsby, like it it speaks of the time, but at the same time, like that kind of stuff like facilitated that roaring 20s kind of grind yeah i've always no i've like weirdly yeah. used the great gatsby like uh as a lesson i i think you know i, I remember like it's someone... my favorite it's my favorite novel it's by far my I, favorite. I, I yeah, like you know that, 
Yeah, you know that idea where uh, what's it called? Nick Carraway is talking to Gatsby about how he's in love with the idea of Daisy. It's not. It's not actually Daisy. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea, the persona he's set up with her in her mind. Like I feel like that yeah. goes for so many situations in life, and like I've explained this to like countless people. Like maybe they're you know they they've had a crush on this girl for like a very long time. Like I knew this guy he had a crush on this girl for like three years, and I think he still does. And I explained this to them, and he was like, he says like it opened his eyes in like a new way or something. It was crazy. It's it's so true. Yeah. Like. I mean, it's just so many people. Let me put it this way too. I mean, you guys are you guys have a lot of motivated teens listening to this. I bet. So, a lot of people are in love with the idea of success, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's everybody. Everybody loves the idea of the penthouse in Miami, the yacht out front, and then the in the Lambo outside. So everybody loves that idea. The problem is they're so consumed with that like idea of success that they really, really underestimate how how much work it takes to get there. And a lot of these people are so turned off to that. They think it's going to come so easily. And it's a rude fucking awakening for people too. So it, I just think it kind of goes down that same path. You know, like you're so in love with the idea of success, but work is undoubtedly more important in order to get there. Like it's with sex without, the only place that success before work is in the dictionary. Like yeah, I heard that, 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 <laughs> that is such a, that is such a campy line. But at the same time, it's, it's like, true. that's so true. Yeah. I also wanted to, oh, wait, Eric, were you going to say something? No, I wasn't. You go. Okay. I also wanted to talk about the gym, too. Because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, me and Eric are starting to get back into working out and stuff, and Eric's doing workouts for baseball and stuff. So I was going to ask you, like, mm-hmm. what kind of stuff, like, for for football too like what kind of stuff did you do specifically with your coach and things like that to kind of switch over from baseball to football and like really hone in on your skills so when i became when i started really really getting into like fine-tuning my like route running and stuff like that i was with my receiver coach and i was doing a lot of drills for that kind of stuff the the thing is like i would say that you definitely need to like be very, very clear about like what your specialty is. Like for instance, Eric, you play outfield, right? You need to be as good of a fly ball tracker as you possibly can. You need to get super good. Like you need to be like have solid quick twitch. So that way you can read the ball off the bat. And if it's in the gap, you need to go. Yeah. Like Juan Lagares in the outfield. Like you you remember Juan Lagares? I think he's in LA now. Yeah. 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 So no, that's the thing. Like you need to have such good quick twitch and be able to determine like, okay, where's this ball going? And like, I don't know what it is, but I had such solid range in the outfield and like I had such solid range on a football field. That's because like I had this inherent thing, like, and I was blessed for that because I really didn't have to work much at it just because I knew like, okay, I could see this ball. I'm like, I know where it's going to end up. If I run this fast, I'm like I'll end up there and I'll make the play. Yeah. It's like you have a sense because you've done it so many times. You've yeah. dragged so many fly balls. You've gotten to a point where like when a ball's hit like right off the bat, you know where it's going to be like exactly where you have to go. It's like second nature to you. It's mind yeah. over matter. You, you have a sixth sense. Exactly. Like yeah. you have a sixth sense of where it's going to go. But the thing is like, not a lot of people have that. Or if you do, then, like, there always is more room you can, like, develop it. I mean, think about it like this, too. Like, after practice every day, and I was I was receiver at USC, like, I would still catch, like, 100 balls just because I thought it was fun, you know? So, like, when it comes to, like, individual shit, like, get clear about what it is your position is. And, like, where – I mean, 
doesn't even have to like relate to sports too. And like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and talk to some of the people who may not be athletes on your podcast. Like, if you know, like, you want to be an engineer or you want to be a motivational speaker or you want to be a lawyer, like, get super clear on like little intangibles and attributes that they have that you can be doing in the interim to, you know, sharpen your skills. So that way, when it comes, like, you you really know what you're getting into and you know that you're going to be good at it. So for, like you said, like I said, outfield with you, shagging fly balls, working on your arm, taking care of your arm to make sure you can throw guys out and outfield assist, you know, like recognizing like shifts, knowing where the fence is, like that just comes from experience. Like, so when it comes to experience, like work as hard as you can to get to develop your attributes so that way you have solid experience in your attributes with your attributes you know does that make sense yeah i got you i feel like it's all about lengthening the gap so to say because you know, i i remember hearing the story it's like if you have like a whole baseball team or something and then they're having practices five six days a week and then after that there's only like one or two guys out of that whole team that go home and are gonna do more work they're lengthening the gap because they're putting in more hours now that's it's compounding over time because of the power of compound gains which i think is a uh that's the way it works up. Yeah, so I, I you really, like, that's called yeah. is that the compound effect? Mm-hmm. I think um, the compound effect. Yeah, yeah, I, something like that. Because I know what you were saying. I heard that Julius Randall did the same thing because he got so good. I think from like 2019 into the 2020 season because he was doing 1,000 shots. I think every day after the games and practices. You just, you just don't see. That's the thing. Like, it sounds so easy. It's so. It's like, it's so 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 clear which people like put in work and which don't like, I mean, you're, you can only get on talent so far, but where the place where everybody's good, what makes you different? Because I dude, look, USC is a place where four or five stars come regularly, mm-hmm. but there are guys who are high level recruits who are on the scout team with me. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's everywhere, a place where everyone's good. What makes you different? And you're you can't dry. say it's your talent because everybody's good. It's the same place. Like when you're smart at college, like, and if you're not an athlete, you're smart in college school like USC, everybody's smart. Like or a school like Harvard or whatever the school is, everybody's smart. What makes you different? You got to figure that out. It's who wants it the most. More or less. Yeah. Well, it's, well, that's the, that's like, that's the pervasive element of anybody who's achieved anything in success. Like mm-hmm. anybody who's done anything in this world, the one thing that they can honestly say is that they have never given up. And they work harder than anybody. Those are the two things that you have to, like, anybody, like, Elon, Bezos, uh, Cuban, whoever it is, Sarah Blakely with, with Spanx, like, they, they, and shout out to EGV at Gotham, she is the most hard, hardest working woman in show business. And she is, she has produced the Maze Runner, all these kind of, all these kind of things, and is one of my sol- most solid mentors. Like, the hardest working people, the cream always rises, man. That's just the bottom line. And when you do, when you put yourself in that position, like working really fucking hard, you're gonna you're gonna get the best result, and I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. It's like hard work beats talent any day of the week. Like hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I remember. Because, I look, think I heard the this bottom line the other day was like talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go. Oh, I was basically saying like this whole kind of journey that I went on in, in order to get to where I wanted to be, which recently I got to sign that deal earlier this week. When I started, I had nobody. 
I literally had no connections. I had probably six connections on LinkedIn. I probably six. I probably sent out 1,200 LinkedIn requests. And like, that's like, that's like, I don't even know how many, like I, I, I lost count. You know, I could like, because I knew all I needed was one and I was not going to be stopped by anyone, including LinkedIn telling me, Chris, stop sending fucking requests. You need to know these people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get this every so, week, bro. <laughs> yeah, so um, you just got to get there. And this, I, I ended up hap- it ended up happening where all four of the majors in Hollywood, so you've got CAA, you've got WME, you've got ICM, and you've got UTA. Those are the four biggest talent agencies in the world. I ended up getting opportunities or or moving towards opportunities with all four of those just because of my persistence and like being relentless and like reaching out to every like okay how'd you like to the people in the mailroom how'd you get started to agents like hey can you give me any advice as like what you how you would start if you were me you know that just comes with it and I was not going to be stopped because I'm I work very very hard and I work I'm very very ambitious and very very driven so that's the thing when you have somebody like that or anybody like that you're going to accomplish the shit you want to accomplish. And that's the bottom line because you're not going to let yourself not do it. So it's almost like building your knowledge base in a sense too. just trying to find that one connection and, you know, learning as much as you can about different things and seeing where you can fit in. And like, you know, no one's going to stop you from learning. I think at that point too, nobody will, you can figure out what's best for you and you know, like what you really want to work towards. I feel like also if you want, like, let's say you have like a specific goal in mind, and you're, you know, you're working really hard towards it. But if you don't really like love what you're doing, then you're just like not going to, you're just even like subconsciously, you just like might not work as hard as you could be or not might not put in as much effort as you, you could be putting in. Like, I know you mentioned like, even after practice, yeah. you'd go and catch balls and stuff. That's because like, you know, you genuinely like, like what you were doing, but you know, the same can't be said about everyone else who's working hard. And I feel like, you know, people should work hard at what they really want to do. And I think at that point, it'll be a win-win. Yeah, I know, uh, Devin, I, I think what you're saying is, like, you, you that never-be-satisfied mindset. Like, when you're in the gym, once you enter the gym, you're never as big as you want to be because you're always striving for more. I think that's what you're getting at. Sort of, yeah. I think it's right on. Mm-hmm. I think you're right on. <laughs> I mean, I know, like, I remember Gary Vee was talking, like, I was, I think I was on, like, YouTube or something, and I was, like, watching one of his stuff. And he was saying, like, you know, if you value Friday so much because, like, you know, it's, like, a break from your work week and like you're finally done like today's like your free day to do whatever you want like at night whatever then like you know then there's something wrong with what you're doing because like you know you shouldn't hey his, he, he, what he said was your shit is broken that's yeah. what he said <laughs> i forgot the exact Yo, you ever see that yeah you ever see that diagram like where i don't it was it, it's something where someone's riding a bicycle up a hill and then it's like you don't want to live your life like this and then it's a guy riding up the bicycle it's that's monday tuesday wednesday thursday and then monday is the hardest mm-hmm. day riding up the hill and then when friday thursday, friday saturday sunday hits that's when you're like going down the hill like they're saying don't live your oh, life yeah, like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you've seen uh-huh. that yeah of course 100 no i've seen that a bunch of times and it's you know it's it's scary for people man like yeah. Like I, 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 fuck, I'm blessed, man. Like I, I, I tell you what, like there's nothing that's lit my hair on fire quite like entertainment hat. Like I, like I was, I was pre-law at USC and I was also real estate development. And I looked at both of those career paths as alternatives. I met with people, did all that kind of stuff, but nothing quite like got me going quite like entertainment did. So I can't emphasize how important it is to do something you're passionate about. Because if you don't like, you could be super good. For instance, like, financial modeling you could be so good at it and there's a there's a skill for that you know dan there's a fire truck going behind me um <laughs> sorry about right. that. 
Um, yes, we are, yeah. But basically, like, you got, like, do what you're passionate about, dude. Like, that's really the bottom line. Like, if, and, and if, if, you're the, if you happen to be good at it, then that's an added bonus. But if you're not naturally good at it, you're going to find a way to get good at it because you love to do it. I think it's just like going to the gym too. A lot of people start off going to the gym and they're like, oh, like, I hate this. Like, why did I even sign up to do this? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, over time, like, you start to, you just start to like, it's almost like building an acquired taste. Like, you just start doing it more and more. And eventually, like, you just start to like, enjoy the, like the little nuances and like aspects of it until eventually you're just like actually genuinely enjoying it. And like, your purpose is solidified almost. You become very, like, it becomes such a part of like your, your routine in your, and you, it becomes you, you become that, you know, that's, what, that's like, that's the cool part about it. Like you love, then you get really into it, you know, like, okay, let's, what, what kind of supplement do I want to use? And here's the opportunity. Shout out to lean body. Lean body is my, uh, official, um, my official affiliate sponsor of this. They are the, by far, like if you're, this is, let me put it this way. The protein that I was drinking on my way to get to USC, it was lean body every time I'd work out. And is such a great protein made by labrada nutrition and also shout out my other official podcast water it is called tap water go check them out on instagram you'll also find them both on my instagram coming up very very soon but back to what i was saying you get really into the nuances of that kind of stuff too and it excites you in that way um, in that regard too there's a correlation man he's drinking the protein and he got the (laughs) usc i don't know (laughs) it's a fairly solid marketing ploy (laughs) that's pretty cool somebody if i like you, you i mean if like that's the thing dude like i did it really with nothing more than like okay i really want to play at usc I, I have this dream and i wasn't gonna let anybody tell me no i mean so i like at the same time i needed the protein powder to get there and it's like okay i was doing what i could in that moment to do that and lean body happened to be my choice and that's why i think that i'm a good person for lean body just because they you can really show like transformation through that wait is it like 25 percent off all products like with your uh your sponsorships yeah with my code i think it's 20 15 or i think i i think i think lean body and uh pathlot are i think they're both 15 i'm not completely sure i have to double check on that but both of them i will have i do have discount codes to both of them so, and I will post them both on my Instagram and I'll link it there. So that way you guys can just press the link on my Instagram, go there, buy what you want. So, and you guys get a discount off of it too, which, which is kick ass too, because over time that will compound. Mm-hmm. And as you begin to spend more money on this kind of stuff, like you're going to have one, a solid location to buy all your, whether it be reusable water with path water or your dynamite supplements with lean body i mean you can carry that kind of stuff like around with you after the gym or you could take it to class i mean shoot i could be drinking it on this podcast right now if i had some um that's the cool part about it and like you can be able to find what you want and where you want to go and what you want to do and what you want to do once you get there so like you once and once you get into this kind of stuff too that becomes so fun it's all about it's all about passion i think it's all about time too Always, you know, compounding gains over time, and eventually it's just gonna work out. Because as long as you put in the work in, then there's no reason, you know, you're if you're doing the max that you can be doing, then if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. But I feel like you know your chances are much higher if you're just putting in all that you can be putting in. 
and really contributing your you know, all. I feel like yeah, I I don't know. I I remember reading this in Atomic Habits, but it's a concept about how success is not linear. It's not something where if you just put in the work, you're gonna see automatic results. It's yeah. somewhere where like let's say you hit a tree 999 times, it doesn't break, but on the 1,000th time it does. And then it's not the one time, that 1,000th time that made it break. It's actually the 999 times you did beforehand, which is why it's exponential. Yeah, it's compounding. Yeah, so it is like, I've never read Atomic Habits. I heard it's a fantastic book, you know? But like, if I were, like, I'm looking at a tree right now. If I'm hitting that every single day for 999 days, I know that's going to come down at one point, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, that's the cool part about exponential habits. Like, I know it's going to happen. Like, if I throw this laptop on the floor enough times, it's eventually going to break. Like, that's, that's the, like, if, if I go into the gym, like, every day, and I know I'm going to get one day, I'm going to, like, look in the mirror, like, damn, I'm jacked, you know? Like, if I send out enough LinkedIn requests and re- request enough people, I'm going to find my way into a meeting. I'm going to find my way into a meeting, and if I do enough of those, I'm going to find my way into an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's just It's just that kind of stuff. And, like, even in the gym, too, like, when you're – because, you know, obviously you don't become jacked overnight. So, like, you're putting in work every day and then, you know, you don't see, you don't see yeah. the results every day. But then when you when you look back at yourself, like, a couple months, a year, a couple of years ago, and then you see all the progress you've made, you know, it's all working up to that. But you don't see – you don't see the, like, the baby steps that you take all the time. But when you compare yourself to where you were before, you can see the progress. And I think it's really motivating, too, to keep going with what you're doing. Yeah, you know, it working. really is. I think in four weeks, you start to see the progress. At eight weeks, those are, that are close to you start to see the progress. And at like 12 weeks, I think everyone starts to see the progress. That's, I think that's I, – I couldn't agree more because I, I've also heard that platitude. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's, 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 it's like – I'll never forget it, actually. The first time I was in the gym, like after – well, the first two weeks, actually, I think – I remember saying it's like, okay, two weeks you notice, four weeks your family, eight weeks or twelve weeks the world, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. I remember reading. I remember actually seeing two weeks into my gym, like, oh, that vein's there that wasn't there before. And this is like right when I first started working out. I was like, man, maybe there is some truth to this. <laughs> it was funny though. It was funny. Yeah, and I feel like also because you know when you're on your own journey like that, everything's really uncertain. You know, nothing's guaranteed. The only thing, like you said, like the only thing that you can really bank on is your work ethic. So like, was use working out as an example, like. When you start to see, you know, like, like you say, like a vein, or like a stretch mark or whatever, like, you know that what you're doing, like your strategy has some like legitimacy to it. And so I think it's just going to keep pushing you even more and more to keep going. Because if you know, because now you have that sense of security, you have the sense of security in a sense of like, okay, like this is what's working for me right now. And I think if I keep going in this direction, then, you know, we're only going to go up from here. If you can adopt that mindset where the, your sense of, let me put it this way, what you just said, ring a huge bell. Because if you can make your sense of security come from a position of wanting to grow, then you're already putting yourself in the driver's seat. Because you're leaving that, like a lot of people get caught in the sense of security of their life like behind them. Like, I don't want to leave my hometown. Like, I want to stay in my hometown. Your sense of security is your hometown. But if you can find like your own sense of security and like, okay, I'm going to go out and do something. I'm going out and making better myself. Then you are already in the driver's seat and already so so much further ahead than a lot of people in this world. Yeah, because if you play it safe, you're staying in the same place. And the only thing more painful and like staying in the same place is more painful than growing in a way. I forgot the quote, but yeah. Dude, I saw all these quotes, all these quotes. 
He's got a cool. Do you have like these yeah, written on your screen? <laughs> Do you have it like written on your? No, I just memorized them. Eric's got quotes for everything. Dude, I will say this though, like I used to. I do want to mention a couple things though. Like now that we're kind of like talking about this kind of stuff, like it would be, it would be terribly unwise for me to you not expand, like extend what I've learned recently to, to these people, to like your kids listening, whoever, whoever's listening, because excuse me, I think that there's so much made about, like, especially with Gary Vee. And I think Gary Vee does have some good stuff to say. I really do. I think at sometimes like I think he's a little bit off the mark. And that's not me just like having some own commentary. I'm thinking like <laughs> you need to eat shit for eleven years in order to be successful. <laughs> like he's right. Like I mean there is a component of like you really do need to go through the mud to be successful. At the same time, I wanna make sure that people recognize at least because this is my own experience. Struggle is part of the part of the journey to success. One hundred percent. I could not emphasize that any clearer. But aside from the lessons that you learn in the struggle, I'll make sure I'm doing this right. The struggle can very much be self-inflicted because you're so convinced that you're in the struggle that you're not doing things to get you out of the fucking struggle. Because I'm, t- I'm telling you this for like from experience, like, I had just come from like before I started WME, I was part of an entertainment group and they were trying to raise money for like a long time and a lot of money. The problem is like, like there was nothing I could do. I was in a leadership program. Like I'm not in, I'm not like connected to big investment banks right now. I was waiting on somebody else to do that. And I'm sitting there thinking this whole time, like, you know what, man, this is just part of the journey. This is part of the journey. This is part of the struggle. Like this, all this stuff will make me stronger. It will make me stronger. But the reason, the way I got myself out of that really, really like merry-go-round of just consistent, like whether it's sadness, depression, uh, psycho, almost like, almost like it was like almost torment, dude. Like I swear, like I was living in like this, this being assaulted, like psychologically. It wasn't until I said, you know what? F this, I'm going to get out of this. Like I'm done with this. I, and that's when I started going on LinkedIn. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be the biggest agent in the world. I know I want to be. Like, I know I'm going to have to be part of the grind for a little bit, but, like, I know I'm going to be accomplishing it. Like, I know I'm going to. And it wasn't until I had that thought process, like, you know what? This here, the struggle is important, but it's, like, it's the struggle. The struggle is outside of, like, your lessons you learn the struggle. Like, there's no imperative to it. Like, you got to learn from what you can in the struggle, but at the same time, like, this, like, ethereal kind of, like, struggle as part of it. Like, there's no value to that. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah does, so like does. not to over glorify being in the struggle because like you know you're making progress. Thank you. Exactly. Because a lot of the times like when you're in that kind of struggle period, you can get so caught up in like, okay, I'm in the struggle, I'm in the mud or whatever it is. But there are a lot of things that you can do to get you out of that. And not to get caught up in that merry go round. I think I've seen because you very easily can I think I've seen like people I remember I watched a video a couple of years ago of this college student. And he was saying, like, you know, he, I think he goes to Harvard and, like, he was talking about, like, his daily routine or whatever because, like, you know, it was pretty interesting to share. Uh, and he was saying that, like, in student culture, like, you know, people glorify struggling, whereas, like, you know, we should, like, obviously it's important to work hard, but, like, people should be glorifying other things as well. You know what I mean? Like, glorifying that, but mm-hmm. also, like, you know, taking care of yourself in the sense that, like, also you're making sure you're being healthy at the same time. Like, you know, obviously you still re- work really hard, but... 
if you want to become the best at your craft, isn't it logically right that maybe that doesn't exist for like temporarily, maybe for a little while? Because if you if you just think about it, like the more hours you put in, like maybe those are the hours you spend resting. The more hours you put in, then the more you're growing over that time, and then that's going to compound. You that's when you're when you're working to be the best at your at your craft, you're gonna have to recognize like there is a level of like there is a level of whether it just be inherent like talent that will could make it easier at the same time like when you're starting from zero there's going to be times where it's going to suck right if that's what your if that's what your question was do you agree like, that there's going to be do you agree that like it's right to be unbalanced temporarily because when you're at that point where you're just working 24/7 you're pushing yourself to its absolute edge you're pushing yourself to your utmost potential you're pushing yourself to a breaking point really do you think that's what it really takes? Because that seems like the work ethic you've been talking about. So, have you guys ever seen the movie Lone Survivor? Yeah, I've heard of it. Every everything is worth doing is worth overdoing. Moderation is for cowards. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's a Navy SEAL. That's it. That's a Navy SEAL platitude. Um, I think that in order, like, look, let's just look. Let's, let's, there are a few different places that I'm going to explain because I think that. Although it's like temper, it's like it's exactly what you're saying. Temporary. Let's look at like let's look at guys on Wall Street right now, right? So, I don't know if how much you guys know, but when you first start your first year like analyst as a, at Wall Street straight out of college, whether it be your MB or probably like right out of undergrad, whether you're going to work at Goldman or JP or um, or Blackstone, they're gonna work you to your fucking max. Like you're in the office a hundred hours a week. Like they're gonna be there. At the same time, that is literally the that is the prerequisite for you to become a senior partner. Like you're gonna have to be seriously unbalanced for a little bit. Like your work life balance is going to be non existent. It's gonna be all work. You're gonna be sleeping in the office. You know? Like that's you know, that's fine. It's all part of the path. In Hollywood, for instance, what I'm about to start, I'm starting like there's like you start in the mailroom. Like you become you're in the mailroom, you're a central floater. Then you go to somebody's desk, and then from desk you become a junior agent, and then you become an agent. That's how it works. Like you're one of the things. Like I'm gonna be doing like ticket counts for Drake or whoever the hell it is, whoever WME, whoever it is WME, WME has me like doing it for. I'm gonna be doing that until like two, three in the morning some nights. That's what one of the I was interviewing with the company. Like Chris, you're gonna have to be doing this some some nights till two, three in the morning. I'm like, bring it on. So you gotta be so okay with that though. Like it's, 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 if you want to get somewhere, like so many people like, oh yeah, people's like, let me put it this way. People's methodology of what it takes to be successful is so screwed up these days because everyone thinks like, oh, crypto millionaire overnight. Like a lot of those, a lot of those gains are so impossible, impossible to be realized because they're just shit coins. Yeah. I feel like society awards mediocrity. I feel like that's something that's so prevalent, especially in American society. And honestly, I feel like the mindset that a lot of people have to take is like, you got to F your mental health, you have to F your excuses, you just have to like, sit down and work. I think, I think shut up and work is the biggest, like, is a great way to live your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, just not like being, not you saying it to somebody, but you saying it to yourself. I think, I mean, there is a level of like, psychological state of wellness you need to like, employ in yourself just because if you're not, because look, dude, like I was the last person to say mental health for a very long time. But after I went through that, I'm like, okay, when I was, when I was like really upset, like 
when this bank passed or when I was just like feeling really in my dark, dark depression or something like that. And I was never like really depressed, but I was like just really disheartened with the whole, like my whole situation. I was crippled, dude. Like it was like, I, it was like really crippling. Like it really did not feel good. So there's a level of like work. I don't want to say work-life balance because it's like couldn't be further from the truth, but there's a level of psychological well-being you need to maintain in order to keep yourself persistent. Yeah. I think like also like, like Eric said, you know, temporary unbalance is going to happen, especially if you're working towards really big things. But, like, at the same time, like, I feel like also if you're not well enough to do your work in the first place, and you're probably not doing it effectively either. And well, isn't it the succeed or die trying to succeed mindset? You ever hear of that? Like, that's in a lot of motivational speeches. It's all about that if you push yourself to a point where it's either sink or swim, do or die, then it's those people that are pushing themselves to that limit, that breaking point that they usually end up succeeding. It gives yourself the best probability. Because it's either get rich or die trying. It's the whole 50 cent thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, you do need to, like, you need to literally put it all out on the line. Like, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. (laughs) You need to put it all out on the line. Because you're not promised shit. You're really not. And, like, I I might be trying, I don't want to, like, burst anybody's bubble. But the world really owes you fucking zero yeah. like it really owes you zero I was gonna say that, yeah. like there there is not a like and it's like and people who come from like situations like i was blessed to be from like a nicer part of san diego at the same time like i definitely was really my family like, really really struggled like there was times like i really really struggled so i was like and even more so like recently before all this kind of shit like there's there's a lot you can learn in the struggle like i said but you really do recognize man like how do i put this you recognize more and have more perspective when you're, when you have that philosophy, like, okay, this world owes me nothing. I literally have to get it on my own. And not, not everybody has to, but the people who really do out, go out and get it, man, like the biggest agents in the world, the most successful entrepreneurs, like the pro athletes, like the people who really, really got it out the mud, like hot, like the top rappers they know what it takes to be there. Like, and that's why they're so like blatant. Like I'm never going back at the same time. Like they put it all out on the line and they knew the world owed them nothing. Do you think like when you were struggling in your childhood, do you think that like formed you to become who you are today? Do you think that played a big part? Not really. I mean, the thing is like, I had a very, like I had to a certain degree, I got a charmed life. I mean, back, I mean, when you don't know what's like really going on in your world, like, like, oh yeah, the restaurant's closing. Like, oh, it's like art, whatever, you know, you're like fourth grade, you know, but um, bottom line is like, I wouldn't say that the most development that I had, like I was even after like, I had gone through some, like my family had really gone through some shit when I was a kid. Like it always kind of like came back, so to speak. At the same time, like I was still soft. I was still really soft. And I was really soft until I really went to like, I would say I was soft until I went to junior college. I would say I was soft until I went to junior college because I really became clear about who I was, what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. Well, you have, when you're 11 or 12, like I had, like I was, I knew I wanted to be successful and I started drawing out like what my house will look like or what I want, cars I wanted. But you don't really know what, what it takes to, to get there. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're 11, 12, that's all that matters. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to be blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go to this school, that school, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be working this hard. It's like, you don't know any better. So at that point, yeah, I remember. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I hope my kids are 
you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm like a dad and I have my kids and like, they have these goals, like good on you guys. Like, I'm really happy. I'm really proud of you. It's only like, there's a time where that has to transition. Okay. These goals, here's what it takes to achieve these goals. And that, and that, and that method that you achieve those goals is called work. That is, yeah, that is deep. Yeah, I know like at 11 or 12, you're, you're basically like talking with people and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I, I, one kid says like, I want to be in the MLB. And then some other kid says, I want to be in the NFL. And then uh, so the third kid says, why, why can't you just do both, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the yeah. mindset, I guess. <laughs> or like uh, when it's right before a pool party and you're watching Athlean X five minute ad videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds like it's some personal experience yeah <laughs> no, it definitely is i don't know I, I, eric's definitely is yeah gotta get the ad oh my gosh that's funny <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i don't know what else i want to say I mean, we talked about so we talked about so many different things I don't. I I want to. I think I want to go back to the Gary V thing. Like I think what you were saying about. I think you were talking about like how people were you know doubting him or something. Like I I know a lot of people, especially like I. There was this clip on the Impulsive podcast, like you know the Logan Paul one, and then they were yeah. Talking, I've, yeah. I've I've watched it before. Mm-hmm. They were talking about like how you know Gary Gary V said this, Gary V said that, and then you know no one believed him because you know it's Gary V, and then he just has that persona about him that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know I. I don't know if I should trust this guy, but the thing is, like, even looking at his LinkedIn, this guy invested in Slack, and that that they were acquired in 2020 for 27.7 billion dollars. He was an angel investor in Twitter, and uh, that he made so much money off that. He was an angel investor in Uber. He was an angel investor in Venmo, in Facebook, and it just keeps in Coinbase, and it just keeps going on and on, and it shows you. Nobody's looking at. Yeah, he just keeps proving everything wrong, and it's crazy. I think that I, I love Gary Vee's work ethic. I really, really do. And I think that my my only knock on Gary, like I don't have a knock on Gary Vee, so to speak. My only like little like little stipulation that I would say to somebody who who listens to Gary Vee all the time is because Gary Vee has you so ready to run through a wall. Make sure, and this is the 48 laws of power kind of thing, don't have ambition tattooed on your forehead because you become predictable. When you become predictable, you can become manipulable. Manipulable. Once you have, like, once that's your thing, I know plenty of people who are very, very driven. At the same time, they're very driven because they're Gary, like, they're Gary V disciples. I love Gary V. I think his work ethic is great. I think it's fantastic. I love it. And he's like, obviously, knows exactly what he's looking at when it comes to startups. My only knock is that make sure you don't you not have like ambition fucking tattooed written across here because somebody will take your shit and manipulate you. That's my only thing. And Gary V can't do it because he's Gary V. He's got like millions of followers and like that's his kind of deal. He sells success. Like he 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 like motivates people. That's part of his deal. Like that's part of what he does. Vayner Media. Like that's part of it. When you like and you be so internally driven, like it like you put it this way. External motivation is shit. Internal mm-hmm. motivation is the only thing that's gonna get you go get you somewhere. Because anybody else is like if, let me put it this way. How do I come on to your sh- – let me put it this way. How do I not accomplish shit in my career or in my life or whatever? I would have any reason to be on the show. I could be just like anybody posting platitudes on my Instagram story. Oh, you're cool. Like, oh, success requires blah, blah, blah. You know, blah, 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 blah. All these kind of shit that people love to throw on their fucking Instagram stories, but at the same time, they're not doing shit in their life to get themselves to that position. 
Yeah, you follow mentality on Instagram? Out having sex. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, you ever like hear people, that? Uh, I think yeah, people share the mentality quotes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, people would like share all these things, and then because everyone was sharing like mentality quotes all over their Instagram stories, mentality came out and put out a post saying, "We'll see in a decade who really was putting in the work, or we'll see in a couple years who really was doing that, who wasn't just posting on their Instagram stories." Yeah, you remember yeah, that? <laughs> I remember that. That was around this time last year, actually. It was, was really or March last year. Yeah, it was. I remember it. They have a fairly, I have a very good memory. So I guess it's, yeah. that's I know there was this, um, I, on the Gary V podcast, I don't know. I forget what it's called. Like, I, I forgot what the Gary V podcast is called. I just know he has a podcast, but I remember there was this clip and it was someone calling in and then she was saying, you know what? By the time I'm 25, she was like 18, 19 at the time. She was like, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to go up and meet you in person. Oh, I, I saw your, the, your I saw banner. Yeah, yeah, on your at your Vayner Media headquarters, and I'm gonna shake your hand. And I'm gonna tell you I did it. And then Gary Vee said that mindset, that thinking, was the absolutely worst way you could think about it because that perception made it seem like, oh yeah, you know what? Let's say I I want to buy this jewelry, I want to buy this shoe. Be- every single step you made, like when you're making money through b- becoming an entrepreneur, building that company, it's making that process even slower because your your mind is infatuated with other things it's focused on other things which is taking you off your grind taking you off your focus and is really getting mm-hmm. you to a point where let's say you're not going to accomplish by 25 because you weren't grinding every single second of that time yeah Whew, i know <laughs> it's funny it's so funny how like it's so funny how you think that there are certain things that that guy would absolutely love and eat up when in reality, like, there are certain, it's like, that is the worst thought process I could ever imagine for you. <laughs> like, Yo, your Gary V accent on point, though, I gotta admit. Is it actually? There yeah, it's guys, actually pretty good. I, I, the, some, there are some TikTok people who nail this guy, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that? Like, like it's hilarious. <laughs> like, I love, I love, like, <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> The impression. I've never heard anyone try, even try a Gary Vee impression. I've, ne- yeah, I've never heard I, the I, Gary Vee impression. But that's insane. You gotta find it, dude. There are a couple guys on TikTok who are so good at it. They're like, just made seven dollars on a Saturday. <laughs> 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 no, his his like garage sale videos are insane. The amount of money he makes from videos no, no, is so he- crazy. Dude, the thing is, like, you gotta, you almost gotta have, like, a full system for that. Like, you gotta have, like, a full plan. You, it's not like you can just, like, walk up to a random garage sale. And you gotta do it on such a big scale where your efforts are warranted enough. Like, you go to, like, five garage sales and get, like, a solid amount of, like, a solid amount of merch, knowing that it's gonna sell for more in order for, like, you to actually have it be worth your time. Because, like, if you go on Craigslist free, like he says, and you get a, you go pick something up and you sell it for like nine dollars, like, is that really worth it? Like you pick, you spent more on that in gas, especially in California. <laughs> yeah, all your costs have to, all your, you know, revenue has to cover your other costs. Microeconomic concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like microeconomics. Is that class you guys are in right now? Yeah, actually. <laughs> It's like yeah, I took I, I took like macro last year. Micro's I I thought Mike macro was more interesting than micro. I didn't. Macro has more implications to it. Micro is just a lot easier to comprehend. Hmm. 
Maybe. I'm trying to remember. I think I took micro. Micro? I, I think I did. I know I did both, but I don't remember which one I did. Juco. Did you do them in uh, uh, high school or college? Both. Both? Mm-hmm. Which Juco did you go to? I went to three. Oh, yeah. I went to I went to Santa Monica for my first year. My second first semester, my second year was PCC, Pasadena City College. And then my final year, or my final semester, was Mesa College in San Diego. I know Josh Allen went to JUCO, too. Damn right he did. Damn right he did. He's a, he's a I, I love JUCO stories, man. Like, he sent out, like, thousands of emails in order to get one response for a walk on that uh, Wyoming. And now he's now he's Josh Allen, dude. How, how how can you like tell that kid no? Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of kids, like especially out of high school, they're so consumed with like your target schools and your safety schools or whatever that whatever they're telling you in college counseling. <clears throat> Had I listened to like all those college counselors, my college counselor told me, Chris. USC, like, USC is, like, I would get realistic about your USC expectations just because, like, like, playing football there is, like, a really tall order for a lot of things, you know? Like, it's, it's USC. Like it's, it's, like, it's one of the top four programs in college football history. So, like, so Chris, I would get really realistic about that. And I said, all right, thanks for the input. And he said, you should go to this small school in Texas because they suck at football. You could play there. And I was like, whoa, all right, thanks for that. And had I listened to her, like, with the whole, like, safety school bullshit and got, not gone to JUCO, I wouldn't be on your show today. I wouldn't be. Because if I had gone to a smaller school or whatever it was or my safety school or, like, a Big Ten or whatever school it was, I'm not, like, I'm not shitting on anybody's colleges. Like, I'm really not. But, like, had I not – the reason I bring it up is because I'm – had I not gone for the school that I wanted in the school that I knew I wanted to go to, I would have settled for something for less than I know that I was willing to work for. And I don't think you should ever do that. And why I think junior college is so important for a lot of kids these days is because so more now more than ever, entitlement, whether it be social media entitlement or like parental entitlement, like everybody thinks they have some shit to say and that they think that their opinion is so important. And in a time where that is, it's so it's so important for like the people who don't like have that inherent narcissism. Oh, I have this amount of followers, I got this amount of views on TikTok, or I'm an influencer, whatever it is. Like, if you have, like, how do I put this? Like, it is so important for you to really know who you are and not try and play into that game. And a lot of people don't learn that. For instance, I didn't learn to not play in that game until I went to junior college. Like, I really learned who I was, and I think it was the best two years development that I had. And it is so, so, so imperative for those kind of things. I'm like, I could not. Whenever somebody asks me, Chris, what should I do? I say, go to junior college and figure it out. If, like, you don't get in, let's just say your dream school is USC. If you don't get into USC and your options are University of Arizona or Oregon or whatever, whatever school it would be in the Pac-12 or whatever your other schools would be, and you really want to go to USC, go to junior college for a year or two and and keep applying because you're going to do – if you do well there – you're going to have much better options than you would have if you didn't do well on your SAT or ACT. Yeah, I know. There was this uh, guy we had on the podcast. He said he – he also lives in California too. I think he went to Santa Monica after he had finished I went school. there. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that's where I went, yeah. And then he had said that all the people he had met, he had met so many different types of people that he wouldn't have met if he had just rent to like a college in general, like a four-year. 
And then he said he was able to like meet people that were in their forties, people that you know maybe had to maybe got pregnant at eighteen and then were pursuing their education again. It was he said he wouldn't have met those people without going somewhere like that, and it, it helped him grow so much yeah. more as an individual. No, it's it. I I think that look, and this isn't like a blanket statement for all JUCO kids, but at the same time. <clears throat> There, you meet a lot of really, really solid, motivated, and individualistic kind of people at junior college, like or a lot, a lot of junior college, because you really learn. Like I said, you really learn who you are, and because at JUCO it's very lonely, and you are the only person responsible for you, and it teaches you that, and it is so, so, so important because not a lot of people have that. Like they go straight from high school living with their parents, and they go straight to the dorm that their parents pay tuition for. You never, and then like, oh yeah, I have my psych paper due at this time, or I have my chemistry lab that I've got to do, or whatever it is. Like, it's all very like linear. Like, there's, it's all very like you, you're, you're. But at the end of the day, you go back to your like your dorm. You know, like that's you think that's consistent. Like, you don't really you get concerned about like, okay, where am I going to go to eat? What am I going to do my laundry with? What am I going to do all this kind of stuff? Like that you really don't consider until you are on your own. You don't have many friends when you're a JUCO. You really don't. Because unless you're living at home and all the kids from your high school go to there, you're pretty much, for the most part, like learning on your own and doing everything by yourself. And I think that's so important that a lot of people don't have to. you got to choose growth because over Because I grew so much. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You, you grow, like, and, and comfort and growth, like they never come at the same time. It's going to be uncomfortable when you grow. And if you are a social person – and you're at junior college and not a lot of people, that's going to be your own kind of thing you got to deal with. But at the same time, you're going to be a better person at the other side of it. Yeah, I feel, is that something you pursue in your everyday life, you know, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, like taking cold showers, things like that, you just certain little things that you implement into your daily day? I think that's a very David Goggins mindset. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, like you're going to do one thing oh, yeah, that sucks fun. every day. Um no, I mean, I don't necessarily like, okay, I'm going to do one thing that sucks every day. But at the same time, like, I never make it easy on myself. Like, I'll always be like, okay, I know what, I'll know that if like, I, I cut a corner, I'm not going to be okay. Like, I'll, so I'll make sure I, you know, do it, do it in its entirety until like to the best of my ability. Because like I said, at the very beginning, how you do anything is how you do everything. My dad's told me that for a very long time. And, uh, the bottom line with that is, like, if you cut corners in the small shit, you're going to cut corners in the big shit. And if you can't be trusted with the small shit, how are we going to trust you with the big shit? You can't. That's why it's important to, like, hold yourself accountable in that regard. But I don't necessarily do the, hey, I'm going to do one thing that sucks every day kind of philosophy. I was listening to that on Rogan last night, though, actually. I was watching a clip of David Goggins and Jesse Isbitt. Like it was Jesse cool. Etzler's thing yeah. was so cool. I remember I watched that clip and uh, have you seen that scene where like he Jesse Itzler's telling the stories about Goggins? I watched that. It last was night. so it's so funny. It's so funny. Like he breaks the rock and breaks the ice. And they go middle. jump in and then like the <laughs> like, sauna story and yeah. like and Jesse Itzler was like I closed every business deal that he was at and it was just like it was like funny yeah. but like you know to look at it with some with some perspective it was just like you know. He could. He was doing this for thirty days, and like, he didn't know that he was able to do it. And I remember one of the things. Yeah, I know. One of the things that uh, Jesse Isler was saying was like, I think like they went to the gym, uh, him and Goggins, and then 
he was gonna do some pull ups and like he only did like two or three. It was a pull up. Yeah, thing. he only did like two or three. And Goggins is like, Well, I want you to do a hundred and he was like, Well, okay. And he was like, Now, like you have to do it now. And so he just he was just <laughs> at the bar for like I don't even know, probably like an hour or two just like doing pull ups and he could only do like two, yeah. three, four reps at a time. And so he was just at the bar for an hour straight trying to get a hundred pull ups in. And like at the end of it, he got the pull ups in and he of course he ended up being able to do it. Like most people like, oh you get three, four mm-hmm. reps in, maybe I'll do like a set or two and like that's it for the day. But like, you know, you never really know how much you're capable of until someone pushes you like that. It's the it's the forty percent rule. I love the forty percent rule. Like you're only like when you think you're done, you've only really done forty percent of what you're capable of. Yep. Well, isn't it that the forty percent rule is like people in, on average they only use forty percent of their mental capacity in general? I thought that that was what you it know, was. I've heard ten percent. I heard the ten percent rule for that, but I don't know. I've never I've never really researched that. I, I now people don't really use ten percent of their mental capacity. I think it's more just like I think it's more of like the forty percent rule where that comes into play because like you can be doing so much more yeah. than what you think you could be doing. You can, yeah. No, that's the that's the that's the truth, truthful like fact of the matter empirically. You know. Yeah. Do you think yeah, David Goggins? Yeah. <laughs> do you think people ever like reach their limits, or has David Goggins really even reached what he's capable of yet, and he's just such at that high level? That's such an interesting philosophical question because I think that at certain points, like. There is like a there's a time where you are redlining, like whether it be running to like you're if you go to if you don't sleep for X amount of hours, you're gonna like you're gonna start to hallucinate. Like that's part of Navy SEAL training. It's hell week. Like you go through it and you see like I remember David can't hurt me. He said one of his boatmates saw a fence in the Mission Bay waters and. Coming from San Diego, there are no fences in the Mission Bay waters. <laughs> there aren't any. And everybody knew that, but he was hallucinating because he hadn't slept in three days. So as far as, like, there might be physical capacities to what you temporarily have to deal with, yeah, sure, there are limitations. I can't go squat four plates right now. But if I keep pushing myself, I'll get there, and I'll be able to squat four plates. At the same time, there are physical limitations in a particular mind, like in a particular moment in time. But those, at least physically and somewhat, you know, neurologically or psychologically or whatever the, whatever like the cognitive block would be, there are certain things where you can like stop that. Like th- there are things like there, like you, like the David Goggins rule, like you can only, like you're only at 40%. At the same time, there are like real, real physical limits to, how much you're able to run without throwing up or how much you're able to squat without really, really hurting your back, let alone be able to complete a full set. So that's kind of like the best way I'd be able to describe that question. Yeah. You ever hear David Goggins story about his like running that ultra marathon? Because I know you've read Can't Hurt Me, right? Yeah. yeah the, uh, the one, the 24 hour one that you're supposed to run in a uh, team. Where he yeah. Ran- he ran it by himself. <laughs> like I, I started laughing when I heard that too. I think Joe Rogan started laughing and I started laughing and I was like, that's he started so dying. He started laughing so hard. I, I thought that was, was hilarious. Yeah. It was like, it mm-hmm. broke all of his toes. But like, think about it. Think of, like, that's, that's a great example. He did it, but that wasn't his limit. But look what it did to his body. Broke all of his bones in his feet. He was like, I'm not going to get graphic. He was in the bathtub, like, 
like I, you, you both, you and I both know what he was doing in there, like just because he couldn't control himself. Like he, he, he couldn't control himself after there was a physiological limit that he hit there. Do you remember he what he had told his wife? He did, yeah, and he said basically, don't, don't. I want to sit here in this and do it because this I moment. did it to myself. Are you kidding? Like he, he did that to himself. Like he knew he reached the limit. So there's a physical limit. I don't think there are any limits as to what you can dream or what you can believe or what you're even willing to be willing to ca- be capable of. But like, I know that for instance, I can't, I can't like, I can't jump and I can't clear this wall. I can't jump on that wall. I can probably get close at a certain point just by, you know, working hard at jumping. But like, there are certain limits you hit. I don't know. Physi- because I feel physically. like your mind gives out much faster than your body does. I mean, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. And that's the whole 40% rule thing. But, like, there's – I'm looking at a wall. Like, I, I – this – that wall's probably about – that wall's taller than me, like, by a foot. And I'm 6'3". Like, I don't think I could ever jump that wall. Like, that's not me. Like, I'm, I'm as persistent, motivated, ambitious person as there is on this earth. But the problem is I don't know if anybody can jump that high. Like, like you guys see, you see guys hitting the hitting the top of the backboard in the NBA. Like even they can't clear that wall. Do you? Th- I think it's awesome. Like, and they what makes what makes life cool is that you have people who see that. Okay, how am I gonna get around that wall? And next thing you know, you've got the trampoline or you got the ladder. You know, so that way you can get over that wall because like they know, like okay, maybe there are limitations to what I physically can do, but how can I employ technology or how can I employ? some other method to get over that wall regardless knowing that I can't jump over it. You gotta be creative and use your environment to your advantage. You know, use your background to your advantage and uh, I think also, you know, what you're saying, just find different solutions to things and, you know, if one method isn't working out then try a different method and see if that works out better. As long as you can get close mm-hmm. to your goal then if you're making progress that's what that's what really counts. Yeah. And the thing with that, like one more thing about that is like there is no limit to what you can dream and what you can do. Like when you put your mind to something, like you can accomplish it. Like as far as like your goals and dreams are concerned, like you want you want a goal, like go out and get it. Like you you want to go you want to go become like a pro athlete. The odds are what they may. What are you gonna do to get into that one percent that makes it? Like everyone, the chances of Jeff Be- of becoming Jeff Bezos, becoming Elon Musk, like starting those companies are like one percent. But the odds were against them the exact same way when they started. Exactly. Who who who? The odds are what they may, dude. Mm-hmm. Odds of playing my my odds of playing at USC were very very low, like very low, probably as close to zero as they could get. I mean, I mean, look, like the odds are what they may. Just be in the group, be be in the percentage of people. Do things that you're gonna get into the percentage of people that inevitably accomplish it. Like it's just it just becomes as much as that. And then in order to be in that, you just have to be persistent. You have to work, you have to be so consumed with it that you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of stuff too. It's just how it works. You think you can have like you think do you, you think at one point in your life, like Elon or whoever it was, like you think that they didn't like sacrifice something? You think it's all hunky dory? You think everyone just lives in this like la la land world? 
No, I feel like Elon, because of how much he had to do, like the number of companies he runs, the company number of companies he started, I feel like that's why he's had three divorces because he's working 16 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. And even then, dude, they work so efficiently too. Like, and that's just because that's how they are. Yeah, you know, he like, I heard they're, it like time block. Every, he like every single task he has to do in like five minutes. It's crazy. Yeah. Like they're so efficient and that's the thing. That's how you know how much shit they've got to do. I mean, I think the neural link that he's talking about is unbelievably horrifying. I think it's horrifying. Yeah. You guys heard about that? Yeah. I think it's horrifying. <laughs> Integrating humanity with artificial intelligence, that's like so scary. Oh, like the Tesla um, robots? No, no like, like the chip. No chip, you know? Have you seen it? Have you uh, seen it? I've probably seen like a post of it on Instagram. I don't think so. I haven't like, seen it. Oh, wait. What was the purpose of it again? I forgot what it was for. I think it's just an advanced cognitive like abilities or like that kind of stuff. That's like, that's like. I mean, if you, it's scary. That's like the exposition to like some like it's, sort of Maze Runner, Hunger Games, something, something. That's just what it sounds like. Yeah, it just sounds like that could lead to some like. It's deep, like an artificial true. chip. It's like a chip. It's like it's. I don't want to say it like because I might be butchering this because I I'm not like su- I'm not well known like I'm not like well studied as far as like the endeavors of like elon musk as far as like the intricacies of what it actually is but i know his like i listen to him on rogan he talks and i'm not a big like i don't listen to joe rogan like all the time not like that guy but like i, I the one that i did hear is he talked about the neural link and i think it is a chip or something have you guys you know have you guys ever seen the show the hundred on uh netflix i've heard of it yeah yeah watch the whole thing yeah yeah so it's very similar to the uh, not the flame but the uh take the th- the key it's uh-huh. like take the key, you know, and it like you you become paired with an AI. It's almost the exact same thing, and it's scary. Like you have people who are like part computer. <laughs> like that's terrifying. Sounds like the, yeah, it's exactly the, the, the beginning of like a a full like like, like dystopian movie. movie. Like being, like, yeah, I don't yeah. understand like why they do that because it's just there's so many movies on why that's a bad <laughs> idea. You know, like I Robot. <laughs> Like what's Robot the Maze Warner. Runner? Or oh, not? Ma- not Maze Runner. What am I thinking of? Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Thank you. Blade Runner. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. Of. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I never understood why people like love that movie. I, I didn't really understand it. I never saw like the Blade Runner its entirety, but I know it's like. Imagine like, <laughs> it's scary, dude. Like it could. At the same time, like I don't know what it brings. I don't know what it does. At the same time, it's pairing computers and like cognition with humanity is a little bit like it sounds a little bit like sounds a little bit super super villain kind of thing yeah yeah i know it's like we we definitely gotta get elon musk to watch robocop one two and three like you know what i'm saying robocop (laughs) i don't even watch robocop Uh, i just know robocop from the kanye song (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna be honest I don't know. No. RoboCop three got like a six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. Oh jeez, that's not good. Like you know, the world's going into interesting places. Like who would have thought in like the seventies or eighties that people would be messing around with like neurochips and you know things like that. Yeah, I always think about that. Like I'm like um I don't know. My uncle recently died. He like I think he was eighty eight at the time he died. So it's it's really interesting to see how the world progressed from like nineteen thirty four to now, which is like extremely yeah. nuts. Yeah, I think the oldest person in the world right now is like 117. 
That must be insane. <laughs> see, like the development. The amount of like, even at the same time though, like think about it. What's what are we in twenty twenty two? Yeah. One hundred seventeen. That's a hunt. What's what's that? Nineteen oh five. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that still doesn't even seem like okay. You're still nine. I mean, it still seems like. I don't know why it just seems like different. Well, I mean, aside from the fucking glaring obvious that it's just a different century, it just seems so much like more. It seems so much more tangible than like 1880, and even though there was like 25 years between. I don't there's somebody yeah, actually, like, there was somebody who was born in 1899 who died on, I think like 2017 or something like that. That's crazy. Like wow. insane. That's like going from like John D. Rockefeller time to like TikTok. That's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, Imagine there that. was I think the oldest woman ever. She, I I saw it, uh, like a short on this. It was like she died in 1997, but like so she was born in the 1800s. But she was like she was alive to see the Eiffel Tower being built as like a teenager, and like she sold colored pencils to Vincent Van Gogh in like France or something like that, or like wherever wherever she was because I know she was in France. She sold colored pencils to him at thirteen, wow. and she lived all the way to like nineteen ninety seven. So like all the all that development is just insane. Two you ever wars, like, you ever insane. see those stories about the oldest people in the world, and like you ask them how they lived that long, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, it's all about because I removed all stress out of my life and stuff." Like, do you really think it's worth it to like live that long for that reason? I mean, not everybody who do that who does that is going to live that long in the first place. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like, yeah, like I don't know. There's like a lot of factors, I guess. Like I heard, like the tallest guy in the world is like nine feet because he was so tall, he lived a like a shorter life because of it. He does. Well, he did. And the same thing goes with I think a lot of like it's just humanity or like animals. Like you know, bigger dogs tend to die faster than smaller dogs. At least as far as like nature would be concerned. Like Great Great Danes only live to like eight or nine. Like. You know, Labradors live to like eleven or twelve or thirteen. Um, Chihuahuas, I think they can live up to like fourteen, fifteen. Like, I don't know how long horses live for, but at the same time, like, there are certain like biological restraints that well, I won't say restraints, but there are certain biological kind of uh, like categories I would say that age categories that like these larger animals tend to fall into. Yeah. That's- Except for, except for elephants. I think they live a long time. And, like, the sea turtles, too. Like, some sea turtles live to be, like, 200 or something like that. It's, like, insane. No, they can live a really long time. I knew uh, one of my one of my kids, uh, like, my friends growing up, he had, a, he had a, um, like, a big tortoise named Chad. And he was going <laughs> to outlive all those people. <laughs> he was going to outlive everybody. Chad? Chad's such a cool name for a tortoise. I don't know why. Chad. Imagine like having a turtle in your backyard, like a freaking big ass turtle. I thought it'd be so. That cool. would be sick. <laughs> you just go feed him like lettuce and cabbage like, every once. Throw in it time. down from your window. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, animals are awesome. I love animals. Yeah, remember I used to, remember that show Wild Kratts from like probably like. Yeah, I remember that show. Two thousand. That's it's been a long time. I never watched it. That show was, it was so like on cool. PBS Kids. Cause yeah, from back in the day, like Arthur time. I knew Arthur. I never watched whatever the other one was. That show was so sick. I love that show. <laughs> 
I love the Arthur, Arthur TikToks that come up these days. Oh my gosh, some of those are hilarious. Like, why don't you go back home and stop bothering us? <laughs> like the sound bites that they use are hilarious. <laughs> All right, Devin, do you have anything else to say? No, I think again, like we we went from we went from, we motivation, went movie from motivation to tortoise to Arthur to David Goggins to everything. No. What a, what a full show. Yeah. All around all over the spectrum. What about you, Eric? Do you have anything else? Dad? Uh no, I don't think so. I, I think this is like legit the longest episode we've ever made. I think so, yeah. So, very good quality. That was fun. Yeah. I had a great time. It was really man. fun. Yeah. It was really cool. All right, boys. Much appreciated. I really appreciate